Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Drive Time Sports near the Buzz Radio Network. Rick Schaefer. I'm Randy Rainwater. We are joined by... Bart Reed's player profile and scouting report is brought to you by the Hoop 5 Basketball Academy. Well, good afternoon, Mr. Bart Reed. Hello, gentlemen. Long time no talk. How is everybody? (laughs) We are doing great. Now, Thursdays, I should have have pre-warned you on this. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But Thursdays is our Bud Light Little Blue Book. Now, I did not want to involve Ricky Stromberg. Uh, I didn't think he would. didn't ask him. You for, yeah, you forgot to ask him who the leading rusher would be. He ought to know better than anybody. Yeah, I, I could I could have asked him that part of it. But I, <laughs> I didn't want to ask him what his score was going to be. But um, I want to throw Bart Reed into the mix. Bart, uh, you want to make a prediction on this week's Arkansas-Missouri State game? Oh, well. Yeah, so let's say now. No, you have to. Am I? Am I just giving an over under? Am I giving an exact score? Like no, I need an exact score. What you think is going to be the exact score? All right. So let's say all right. Razorbacks fifty-two. Let's say fifty-two to seven. Ooh. And who do you believe will be the leading? rusher for Arkansas, and these are net yards, and then how many yards are you expecting? I'll give you an example. Some have said Rocket Sanders, like 189 yards, 114 yards. So who do you project would be the leading ball carrier, leading rusher, and then how many net yards? Oh, man. Okay, so you're putting me on the spot here. And so, all right, so can I go with – can I go with KJ Jefferson? I mean, can I? Sure. Can I have to be a running back. Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, I'll say KJ Jefferson. Let's say let's say 170. Let's say 170 total rushing yards. Okay. Fifty-two he's to gonna, seven. He's gonna break one. He's gonna break one early. You might have to break a couple to get to 170 yards, but that's okay. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right, let's check in with Dave real quick. Dave, you've been holding. Thank you for holding. Welcome to Drive Time Sports. Thanks, guys. Always a good show. I want to go Arkansas 45, Missouri State 17. Okay. And who's going to be the leading Sanders rusher? Sanders 103 yards. Sanders and 103 Yes, sir. Please. All right. Very good. Appreciate it, guys. Have Thank you, Dave. Time. All right. We have until 7 o'clock by way of our phone lines. That is 501-661-1037. That's the same number for the uh, buzz text line. Uh, that is a deadline of 1159 tonight. Same thing with the uh, live in feedback. That will be... 11:59, and then finally my email Randy R at 1037thebuzz.com, and that is 11:59 as well. All right, Bart, we have our Hoop Five 
male, female performers of the week. He did. So I, I love this week. I love all the weeks. But I love this week because this is kind of going in how deep the state is. And, you, and you'll hear these numbers and hear some of these accolades and say, that's a person that needs to be really talked about. So it just, again, the depth. So let's start on the lady side. So Jordan Marshall is a 5'11", so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call her a guard forward for Little Rock Central. Now, as, as basketball fans know, Little Rock Central made a run last year. They beat Conway that had been previously undefeated. They beat them in the state tournament. Uh, Conway had been undefeated in the state. So there's a lot of building blocks there. Jordan Marshall is a 2024. Okay, She has offers from UT Arlington and Florida State on the Division One level. She plays for Mavs Elite. So last year is an all-state performer, 17 points and nine rebounds for Little Rock Central. On the grassroots side, eight and six. Okay, so this young lady has in, in pretty much every Division II, let's say in the state borders. So Henderson Hart all we offers an interest from all those. She's a 2024-5-11 combo guard who has Division One offers, and she has a ton of upside in just 2024. So going into her junior season. Hmm. Very impressive. All right, how about the male performer of the week? Okay, so KJ McDaniel is a cutter morning star, and this is another guy that maybe. Ten, 10 years ago, we're talking about him as a, as a borderline Division One, mid-major Division One. He's 6'5", he's a combo guard, right at 200 pounds. Last year as an all-state performer, 18.7 rebounds and five assists. So, KJ's the 2023. Okay, so he has offers from Eastern Oklahoma and Texas A&M, Texas Kent. So, he's kind of falling in that that threshold at 6'5", 200 pounds, is a combo guard. Shoots it extremely well, handles the balls extremely well. As a 10th grader at Cutter, 17 points, four rebounds, three assists. He plays grassroots basketball for Arkansas Blue Devils. So this is someone that probably has the talent that's not exactly getting some of the exposure of some of the out-of-state tournaments. So certainly looking for a big senior year for him at Cutter. And Cutter made a run last year, but Cutter's got a really good roster and some really talent they're building on. So 2023, K.J. McGann, the combo guard, can play the one, two, or three. And at 6'5", 200 pounds, he's a substantial kid with a lot of skill. So another one of those guys that you're really saying, man, that guy needs to have his name put out there. That's a potential really explosive talent in the state of Arkansas on the boys' side. So K.J. McDaniel, so look for big things if he heads into his senior season at Cutter Morningstar. Bart at six five, does KJ get pushed into that post position because his size? I, I, I think Cutter plays at the two A level. Uh, yep. Does he kind of get pushed out on the block just because of his size? You know, Randy, great question. I think we see a little less of that than we used to see, but certainly he will get bigger assignments, especially on the defensive end. I think at that size, as you accurately put it is going to fall sometimes to being under the basket a little more than you would think. Uh, but it was the one thing that I can say that has kind of hit even the lower classifications for players this size, with positionless basketball, as we talk about, it has opened things up where most teams are playing with one post player or 
none at all. You very rarely see the two, the high-low that we used to play. So I think that helps players like KJ, even at smaller classifications, stay out from under the basket. But I think he will find, he has found himself there sometimes, but he's not stuck there by any means. So he's uh, one of those guys, I think, with the way the game's going, with most of those type of teams playing a four-out, really you're guarding a four, but after the first pass, Randy Ricketts, you can't tell the difference between the one and the four after the first pass, right? Because everything spread out and continuous movement. So he has been able to keep his game on the perimeter for the most part. Hmm. That's good. I mean, uh, that, that's yep. where he needs to be because at the next level, he's not going to be playing on the block at 6'5". Um, no. Uh, he may he may grow into that, but uh, at this point, uh, no, that it, would, not, that would yep. not fit. And, Randy, like – in my case, I got lucky. I grew late, so I went from 5'8 to 6'4 as a ninth grader. Or, listen, I would have found myself at 6'5 under the basket. I just managed to grow late, so kept my guard skills. But, you know, that was a pretty big problem back in the back in the day. Most everybody over 6'3 was finding themselves mm-hmm. at some point playing some type of post. Oh, if you had a – it seemed like – now, granted, I'm a lot older than you are, but if you were – Really above six foot, six one, six two. You sometimes expect to have to play down on the block. Uh, yeah. But boy, kids have gotten so much bigger nowadays. That's that's not even really uh, a fair question anymore. Uh, let's talk with Rick. Okay, Rick. Let's talk with Keith. Keith's gonna. Okay. Uh, that's what you call over two. <laughs> okay. I did. I guess I just didn't get to him fast enough. My my apologies, gentlemen. Uh, so, my bad there. Uh, when you look at we we've talked about this before in regards to skill development, but that's one of the beautiful things about uh, Hoopfy is that this is a playground if you will for instruction yeah yeah absolutely so i was just there so it's a it's a great facility and essentially we've got kids coming in there right when the bell rings at school and you've got from pretty much four o'clock till eight o'clock eight thirty ten o'clock because they'll they'll keep coming in we're teaching the game of basketball so there's no better job that you can do out there than that and and i'll say this people will say a lot of times What's too young for training? Well, listen, the game, we make, we make the game fun, but footwork is footwork, and so it's never too early to, to learn the right habits. So good habits can start at an extremely young age. So it's a, it's a playground. It's got it's full court. It's got four goals. We have a shooting gun. We've got it's set up for video, Vertimax. So it's really a great environment, and you'll have some guys that might be playing overseas, and you'll have – a second-grade kid down on the other end learning. So it's a really good environment, I think, for anybody that wants to come and try to expand their basketball skills and really take their game to the next level, whatever that level is. I've always been curious about this, so I'm going to go ahead and ask it. Is it more difficult to teach the proper mechanics and fundamentals to a right-handed person or a left-handed person? I, uh, I've branded, so I've trained so many. I've gotten pretty good at, uh, 
I'll, I can demonstrate left-handed like I can right-handed because they're for a stretch. It seemed like every day I had Cam Hunter that plays at UCA that was freshman player of the year in the Southland and then K.K. Robinson. So I got pretty adept at teaching left-handed. I'll, I'll say this. The left-handed basketball players tend to be a little bit more fluid with footwork and especially shooting than right-handed players, in, in my opinion, although there's a lot more right-handed players. Um, I think it really just depends almost where they're – skill level is you can take certain kids if they're a high skill level such as Nick Smith that's been in the gym his whole life not just because he's good because he understands skill we could go through an entire progression and he could see it one time and do it and there are kids that are not on his level that can do the same thing it really just depends on what their background is the big difference between boys and girls it's this simple boys watch NBA and college basketball and girls don't watch as much and so, in my opinion, boys walk in with a little bit more creativity as it relates to skill development. So that's really the big difference I see. If you watch basketball at an early age, it usually translates to the court. Hmm. In what ways, Bart? Well, if you got to see it, so it's just like anything. If you're how we learn is very. Bart Reed's player profile and scouting report is brought to you by the Hoop Five Basketball Academy. Hey Randy, uh, I'm going to interrupt you for some breaking news here. Although it's you know it's with two different sports, and I give Matt Jones the credit for this. He's got it uh, online, and that's the University of Arkansas does have an athletic master plan, and the next master plans are major renovations at softball and soccer, each of which will cost somewhere between 15 and 20 million dollars. So they're talking about perhaps as much as 40 million dollars. Spent on those two facilities. Both will have increased capacity. Right now, soccer seats about 1,500. They want to go to 2,500. They want to build some luxury seating on the east side. And uh, the softball field uh, will add some capacity, uh, but it's also going to add a, uh, an indoor workout facility similar to, I don't know if it will be equal to, but similar to the hunt facility for baseball. So uh, that story was just uh, just popped up there. And for Razorback fans who like soccer or softball, renovations are coming, and they expect to start those. They've hired architects uh, to do the design work, and they expect to start those uh, somewhere after the 2023-24 season. Hmm. Okay, so it's uh, SEC TV uh, money. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You got to spend it. I mean, you got to spend it. That's right. So I, I, I don't know if Matt had any kind of uh, conceptual drawings on no. what it's going to look like uh, no, for softball. No but I, I was thinking, do you take out the berm and do you put in seating uh, beyond the outfield fence? Uh, Possibly. I mean, there's yeah. just not much room to expand the way that that ballpark is kind of sitting there on that little knoll. Yeah, uh, that's right. And uh, But I think the, the buildings usually – they're going to build buildings for both of them, and it says similar to the Razorbacks Hunt Baseball Development Center and the O'Mara High Performance Track Center, which if you haven't been in there, the only time I've been in there was when John McDonald's funeral. They had a re- reception in there. It is amazing. And so uh, 27,000 square feet for the soccer building, uh, 21,000 square feet would be added to the existing softball structure on the west side of Bogle Park. Mm. 
Trying Bring to get world class facilities. Well, you got two pl- programs that are nationally ranked right, right. now. Yep. Soccer's 14th, and they've been very good. And of course, softball last year had its best year in school history. And Courtney Diefel has just done an amazing job with that program. That is a very, very good softball program. I watched yeah, probably. Hey, yeah, I did too, and, and that's a great way to keep your coach. I, I don't know how many schools mm-hmm. would come after Courtney Diefel. I think they gave her a good raise, but also when you're going to do that kind of a facility, which will be better than probably 95% of the facilities in the country, then that's a good way to keep them. It's called recruiting. That's right. It's called recruiting. Uh, let's talk hey. to Razorback Bob. Robert, good afternoon. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Um Randy, uh, you and Bart was talking about Cutter, and, and I know how busy you are. You've not been by to see their new football field, have you? I have not, no. I hadn't heard about it, that. It is sharp. I, I, I go by there almost every day, and I'm yep. telling you that is something else. It's a, Man, it's it's a beautiful facility right now. That football field is something else. The next time you're not really nice. go by there and take a look at it. And they're playing uh, eight-man football, so they—I mean—they're keeping their their program alive. Yeah, and the basketball team, uh, of course, you know, we talked about my grandson playing on the AAU circuit, and Hot Springs had a tournament between all the schools this summer, and Cutter Cutter Morning almost won that thing. Uh, they've had some some new transfers come in, I think, both from Lakeside and and uh, Lake Hamilton. Yep. And they're really expecting to have a good good season. Um, let me get in that blue book there, Randy. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm going to go Arkansas 42. And Mr. Bobby Petrino and his game is going to go 24. Okay. And what is the tiebreak this week? Tiebreaker is Arkansas's leading rusher in this game, and that would be net yards as the other part uh, of it. I'll go Sanders. I think he'll probably get maybe maybe pull him out a little bit early. He's going to probably go for ninety something yards, and he'll probably stick him back in there, let him get five more yards. I'm going to say one hundred and two yards. Okay. I was beginning to wonder. Okay, ninety something. Hmm. Do I get to pick out a number? <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to get off here, but uh, uh, let somebody else in. Your time's about up. But I'll talk to y'all probably tomorrow, Randy. All right. Thank you, Robert. Hey, uh, hey Randy, that's a good. Hey, that's a great point that I was going to say about the facilities. The the high schools that are managing to keep up and build these wonderful facilities, both on the football and basketball side, is I think it's great for communities. I think it's great for kids that to try to keep them there and 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 build around the the, the school, even if you have a small community. And schools like Cutter, and we're seeing it across the state, are getting players from pulling from Lake Hamilton, pulling from Lakeside, for whatever the reason, academics, playing time, open opportunities. But you're seeing that across the state, and that's a trend that's relatively new, right, guys? So most of the time we people are wanting to get to the bigger classifications, and I think now you're seeing them wanting to take advantage of that. If you're a great freshman, if there's no politics or no rules, they can play as a freshman. Some of these AAA and double A teams are playing 45 games in a year. It's hard to compete with that. That's almost an extra season, 6A and 5A. So uh, I think it's really good that we're seeing that much parity, even even in the high school level. Uh, I can't wait 
to see. I, I pass by there almost any and every time that I head to BB Caps, which is one of the main thoroughfares here in Searcy. But uh, the uh, Searcy High School is building a brand new, I'm not, do they call them coliseums now, arenas? I'm not sure what label that they call them, but uh, it is going to be something that appears to be very special. Hey, they're nicer than most college arenas. Mid-major, the high school one. Don't you think, Randy? Yeah. Oh, well, I've said this before, Bart. If if you have not been to a game at Harding University and that old hangar they've got of a gymnasium, arena, whatever you want to call it, but that that is an experience all into itself. And uh, – I think it's got, if not the best, uh, one of the best atmospheres of any place. I mean, that that home crowd has to be worth at least, those students have to be at least, I don't know, because one whole side is nothing but students. And uh, Wow, I'm going to check it out. Oh, it is. a Sometime this fall, you and I can head yeah. over to Harding University and uh, take a game in, and I promise you, you will come away well. You, first of all, uh, you might want to take earplugs because you might not be able to hear oh, once you. It's that uh, loud, then. Okay. It's that loud. It is that that loud. I like it. Uh, you have, and maybe you have in times past, but just as as a refresher, Mark, where is Hoopfi located, and what are some ways to get in touch? with folks if they want to get, whether it be individual instruction or whatever the case may be, where is it located and what are some contact numbers? Yep, so it's uh, 413 South Main Street, and that's in downtown Sheridan. The easiest way is go to the website, and it's hoopfiacademy.com, and you can get all the information. It has a contact information, and you can reach out right to the website. Wow, Bart, we're out of time. Thanks, gentlemen. You bet. That's Bart Reed, Hoop 5, and our player performer of the week.